What's up, Hogland Nation? You know we gotta tell you about Mr. T's Tuxedos. Do you or someone you know have a wedding, formal, prom, or big event coming up soon? Well, lucky for you, we have you covered. Mr. T's Tuxedos has the best suits and tuxedos in the area, and will have you looking your best for your big day. With their main store located in Minersville, PA, they also offer fitting services located in Center City, Philly, as well as on-site fittings at your preferred location. Make sure to mention that Hogline sent you when you visit in-store or reach out with an inquiry. To take a look at their catalog and for more information on all that Mr. T's Tuxedos has to offer, visit MrT'sTux.com. That's M-R-T-S-T-U-X.com. And remember, you only have one shot at looking your best. Be sure to take it with Mr. T's Tuxedos. What's going on, Hogline Nation? Welcome back to the Hogline the Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Bannis, alongside co-hosts Jack Manis and Andrew Schreffler. Today, you are listening to the 155th episode of the podcast. Welcome back, Hogline Nation. I hope you're having a wonderful uh, Thursday by the time you're listening to this. I hope you're having a wonderful day today. And I hope your fantasy teams and your NFL teams are at least trending in the right direction. Uh, today we have a jam-packed episode for you today as always but first how are you guys doing how how was your week going well so far a lot of football this well. past weekend yeah i had a uh, i had a great betting weekend this past weekend so i'm chef did i'm riding high there you go good yeah we could definitely get into specifics on that if you if you want to elaborate um, oh, i definitely could at some point yeah yeah uh but today we are, as always, we're leading off the show with Eagles rant of the week. Maybe it's not a rant this week. Maybe I guess rant has a negative connotation to it, but maybe it's it's more of a uh, uplifting message, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what Shref has in store, but uh, as always, the floor is his for Eagles rant of the week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you want me to take it? Uh, well, I'm just going to have any I'm thoughts. Gonna, no, there it's okay. Go. I'm just going to outline for the rest, like what, oh, what yeah, we're yeah, kind of yeah, going yeah. over quick, but then we will yeah. definitely quickly turn it back to you. Um, unfortunately, there were a lot of injuries. I don't know how it compared to previous weeks, but at least in, in, in my mind, it seemed like more uh, injuries than normal. Definitely some big names. So we'll be discussing some, some uh, people that are maybe out for a few weeks or maybe even the entire season and how that will affect the, the teams going forward for the remainder of the year. Then we're going to have a little, I don't know what we call this segment, but a little bit of venting, a little bit. Uh, we can get some things off our chest. I certainly have something to get off my chest <laughs> because I I lost in uh, in dramatic fashion on the Sunday night football game. So we have some little, I guess, fantasy football hotline venting, whatever you want to call it. So we're going to we're going to go off on some players either in in the uh, the negative side or or they helped us out a lot. So that'll be kind of what we'll be doing there. Some week six matchup previews. So definitely a few good games on this slate. Uh, first week of buys. So there's only 14 games this week. Um, but we do have another London game. So we do have football from 930 in the morning until around 1130 or midnight. So 15 hours of football. That's that's good stuff right there. 
And as always, we conclude with lock of the week and we will recap how we did last. Shref, floor is yours. Eagles ran of the week. They come off a win against Carolina. How are you feeling? They're two and three. Yeah, this was a tough one to 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 write up when I was going through just kind of like notes from the game. This is the first this is the first week where I haven't had like a like a 100 percent like either good or bad reaction to him. Um, it was very much a tale of two halves for sure. Um, we'll start with the first half, which was, uh, I guess, to, to describe it best, I think bad is probably the word I'd go with. Um, play calling really bad in the first half. Once again, Miles Sanders, the, this goes for the whole game, not just the first half. Just Miles Sanders just doesn't exist anymore, I guess. That's just kind of how it works now. Um, but Gainwell didn't even really do anything either. So it was, there was a, the running game was virtually non-existent until the second half. And even then they were really only using Hertz for that. Um, yeah. Offense looked really bad in the first half. Couldn't get the ball moving, no running game. I thought Hertz looked flat in the first half and the way that the way it's been going this year, they, they don't, it hasn't seemed like the Eagles have made, have been too good at making halftime adjustments. I mean, we saw it like in the Dallas game, for example, they looked bad in the first half, came back out and pretty much did the same thing again in the second half. Um, this time they turned it around a little bit. Uh, I thought Hertz looked a lot more confident. They had him running the ball a little bit more. Um, he was making quick reads, quick throws. I thought Devontae Smith looked good in the second half. His route running is fantastic. Sirianni's play calling, actually not bad. You had that um, off the top of my head. You had the go-ahead touchdown, which was a little, I believe it was a little bit like a QB option to Hertz to run it in. And then you had a little quick route out to Smith for the two-point conversion, which I thought was great to see. And then the brightest spot I thought was defense and specifically the turnovers. Um off the top of my head, once again, Darius Slay and your guys' favorite, Steven Nelson, both had uh, fantastic games, I thought, forcing turnovers, which I really, as an Eagles fan, I can't remember the last time that they've been a team that, like, forces turnovers since their Super Bowl year, really. Um, they just don't do it a lot, and this time the corner showed up to play. Um, and I want to give another special shout-out to another former Steeler with Hargrave on the defensive line. He has been an absolute beast this year. Fletcher Cox hasn't had the best season by any stretch for his standard of play and Hargrave has um, more than made up for his lack of production. He has been fantastic. And I would be remiss if I didn't give him a shout out. Um, and then I still don't like Derek Barnett. So I'll, I'll, I'll I think I'm going to start giving a weekly Derek Barnett update. And yeah. the update this week <laughs> is that I, I still don't like him very much. Um, <laughs> so maybe next week that'll change, but as of now, I don't like him, but yeah, overall tail two halves got the win. That's all that matters going into a very tough game short week against against Tampa Bay. Not sure how to feel about that one yet, but beat a Panthers team that I think after this game, we can kind of agree, maybe kind of came back down to earth a little bit these last couple of weeks. Um, I think they were riding high those first couple, and I think they've regressed towards what everyone thought they were going to be, which is kind of a middle-of-the-road team. But a win's a win. They figured it out. They got it done. Yeah, certainly. On the road, nonetheless. Yeah. Um, so definitely took care of business there. And I like how you mentioned the defense, certainly because the Panthers offense was really firing on all cylinders through the first uh, mm -hmm. four weeks of the season. So they really did a good job on that front. And yeah, like you said, short week, definitely very tough matchup going back home against the defending champions. Uh, they, the Bucks looked amazing last week. They, you know, absolutely pounded the Dolphins. So pounced them. Definitely going to be a tough test. And last thing I have to say is you mentioned Miles Sanders. That was one of the first things you said. I mean, I think 
I think he's got to be top five biggest disappointments in fantasy this year. You, I mean, uh, injuries aside, obviously, but in terms of players that have played all the games, I think he's got to be a top three to five bust. Oh, a hundred percent. And for, especially from a fantasy perspective, I was seeing a lot of, uh, I was doing my, my normal Twitter scrolling as I do. And a lot of the things people were saying about Sanders that there's a lot of people who went after that, like no running back method where you maybe go like two receivers in the first two rounds, two or three. And Sanders was that guy that like repeatedly would end up in that spot where if you were taking receiver first, he would be there. And a lot of people took him with the thought of, Hey, he's a, he's a lead back on a team. That's probably going to run the ball a decent amount, especially with Hertz being in there at quarterback. This could be a a steal of an RB one. And for those people who did that, I'm assuming they just have no running backs on their team right now. Cause he, I mean, he, he's at a point now where I'm, I'm assuming he, there's people who will not be starting him this week and probably weeks going forward. Cause there's just no, there's nothing that suggests that he's going to like all of a sudden go off. They just, they simply aren't, it's not like he's, it's not like he's getting 15 touches a game and not producing. He's just simply not getting the ball. It's got to be tough to start him this week against the Bucks. Uh, right. I think I think Levante David is he questionable is to play. Questionable, He's I out. but I I think it's out. But it, He's out. No matter what, I I just with the game with the game script and assuming that the Eagles might fall behind early, I don't I don't see a way in which Sanders is going to all of a sudden become a part of this offense. It just hasn't been. It just hasn't happened so far. Yeah, you're right. And I quick little tangent, nothing to do with really the Eagles, but kind of touching on the zero RB strategy in fantasy. I feel like you definitely get mixed reviews at the end of the year. If people, it could definitely work, but it could definitely not work at all. I mean, the people that drafted Miles Sanders and Miles Gaskin, Mike Davis, you've been Mike Davis is another big one, yeah. But, I mean, there's some guys, I mean, you could have waited a while, and Tony Pollard's had some great weeks. Um, Kareem Hunt going in around that range, too, has been absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic. So I, I'm currently – I'm in a league now where I um, – Kareem Hunt is currently my number one running back. Worked out so far. He just keeps yep. scoring touchdowns, and, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's not going to get the full work workload unless – Nick Chubb got hurt again like last year, but he doesn't even really need it though. That's the crazy thing. He's just no he makes super efficient and he has a has a nose for the goal line. So mm-hmm. about zero RB strategy, since we're talking about it. I Kevin went kind of did that strategy in our in our league. Um he's five and oh, but I mean his running backs are bad. <laughs> like his RB1, we got Chase Edmonds. Um JD McKissick, he took a flyer on Trey Sermon. That's been a huge disappointment. Um, Ramondre Stevenson and Wayne Gallman. That's oh those boy. are the running backs he's <laughs> rostering. But he's he's uh five and oh. I mean, he has gotten very lucky with points against, but uh <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not very comfortable with that strategy. It's definitely tough. Yeah, um, I struggle with it. Yeah, you gotta you gotta really work the waiver wire and really pay attention to handcuffs and and just get lucky in the middle middle rounds. So yeah, it's definitely interesting. But good synopsis about the Eagles this week. I think it's summed up pretty well. I don't I don't think you're uh, riding too high on the victory and you're kind of uh, cautiously optimistic, I guess is maybe fair to say. Yeah. But, yeah. But yeah. Optimistic. Um, like, I mean, it, it's still a young team. Like no one no one expected them to be like this, like playoff contending team. So, I mean, I'll I'll take a win wherever I can get it, especially against a team that looked good coming into that game overall, not, not upset, it, especially because they, especially because they fixed 
what went wrong in the first half. That that was nice to see that Sirianni actually was able to make some adjustments. Yeah, I guess that's really all you can ask for. And they uh, they got the win to show for it. So mm-hmm. good on them. Um, we're going to transition to our second segment of the show today. What team was affected most by the injuries uh, this, this past week? I think there's one obvious answer, in yeah. my opinion. Um, Very obvious answer. But a lot of big names are either, like I said at the top of the show, out for a couple weeks or maybe even out for the season. Uh, Russell Wilson, Saquon Barkley, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, we mentioned Levante David. Daniel Jones got concussed. So definitely a lot of names out there that will have significant impacts on the on the, the teams going forward here. Um, but who do we want to start with? Do we want to start with Seattle or are we going to – I, I mean, let's just start with Seattle. Let's yeah. just do it. Um, Russell Wilson. I don't know what the technical name of the injury was. I'm was, not sure. But, but something with his middle finger. And he, he hit it on Aaron Donald on the Thursday night game. And he exited, I believe it was probably like the third quarter or something like that. And maybe even the fourth. But sometime in the second half, he exited. Geno Smith comes in there and he played decently well. He did throw a pick at the end of the game. Not necessarily his fault. He looked okay. Um, but they've said the timetable for Russ is probably I've heard the minimum at the very least four weeks, but it yeah. could be looking at six or seven weeks. So, you know, out for a significant time, the Seahawks are sitting here at two and three. What are your guys thoughts on them going forward? And can they stay afloat until Russ comes back and maybe make a playoff push at the end? What do you think? I don't, th- I mean, I guess it like, if he comes back in that like four week time, then yeah, I guess they can stay afloat, but they, I, I think the one thing I think about, like, I mean, when's the last time that like the Seahawks have had like a backup quarterback in the game? Cause I was trying to think about it. I feel like Russ has stayed pretty, pretty healthy the last couple of years. Like I, I can't remember a Seahawks team that doesn't involve Russ at the helm, but him being out, I mean, their, their receivers take an enormous hit with Lockett and, and Metcalf. Um, offense is going to be a lot less, a lot less quit, like fast paced Russ, Russ was the absolute heartbeat of that team. And it, it's been upsetting to see how Carroll's used him over the years. Cause I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Pete Carroll. Um, I think Gino will be fine as a backup, but I, their, their roster was already like worse than a lot, like not a lot of teams, but they, their, their roster is worse than what their record ends up being because Russell Wilson is able to kind of propel them towards a good record. I think they're going to struggle very mightily without him in that offense. I agree with Shref. Uh, I, sure i said in our preview show that like this roster didn't seem that very like very good but like the russell wilson factor like i still had them probably at like 10 wins um yeah big loss obviously uh as mitchell said timetable six to eight weeks is looking likely uh just to go over their next six opponents they have the steelers this week on sunday night football in pittsburgh then they have the Saints, the Jaguars, the Packers, Cardinals, and Washington. That's their next six games. I could see them going like two and four. Yeah, five hundred would be would be very good for them. I think if if I was them, I'd be very happy with five hundred through that stretch. Like I'll say, they'll, they'll get the win against the Jags, and then I don't think they'll beat the Packers or Cardinals, and then between. Washington Saints and the Steelers will get one. I really don't think they beat the Steelers this week. Steelers um, in Steelers in, in, in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is tough. Is very right. Tough. I mean, I'm, I haven't been very confident in the Steelers this year so far, obviously, but I still don't think I would not be confident in the Seahawks on Sunday Night Football traveling all the way to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, definitely the biggest loss of the injuries this weekend. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned as well, Shrimp, it, it just looks so weird out there without having Russell Wilson. As yeah, the, not used uh, to it. Not used but, to it. I mean, I looked it up real quick. He has not missed a start in his entire career. Wow, there we go. That's what he's I figured. Played, like, I, he's played all 16 games since 2012 when he was drafted. So. Yeah, because I, I was thinking like the last Seahawks QB I remember besides Smith and Wilson is like maybe Matt Flynn. Like off the top of my head, that's like the first person or maybe like Tavares Jackson. Those are like the first two that like come to mind for me. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, they they brought in Matt Flynn and then they thought he was going to be the starter and then Russ yeah. made him out for the job. So that's that's how far you have to go back. And when you the last time there was a Seattle Seahawks uh, quarterback yeah. that started a game for them. So, I mean, we were 14 and, you know, 12 years old at that time. So that's yeah. how, that's really how far back you have to go. And you mentioned, you know, Russ has, Russ has kind of uh, masked the the flaws of the Seahawks over the years for sure. And I definitely agree with that sentiment. I mean, I looked it up real quick here. Since 2012, he has been sacked 407 times, which is the most uh, by any quarterback in that stretch by 74 sacks. So the next closest is Matt Ryan with 333 and Russ is at 407. That's, that's since 2012. So. I mean, it's a remarkable that he stayed. He has not missed a start since that time, and he's been definitely been beat up back there. So, I mean, I guess it, it catches up to everyone at some point. But I mean, it's yeah, it's going to be definitely a weird month and a half or so where he's going to be on the sideline. So, yeah, I mean, I I, look, I put up the schedule as well, and Jack mentioned it. But two and four definitely seems like the expectation. If they exceed that, then I think maybe they can sneak in as a wild card team but you know we hope he has a speedy recovery and uh, yeah. they're back at, at full strength um he's on my fantasy he's on one of my fantasy teams so I, I would also prefer it if he came back sooner rather than later that would be helpful yeah i haven't been one league i have Lockett in two leagues so i, I just gonna... traded for Lockett in the league so i that, that was a real tough scene this weekend to see that happen because that i'm assuming with, with metcalf and Lockett, that immediately takes them down a couple notches yeah, it's going to be uh, tough to start Lockett this week. I mean, my dynasty team is pretty deep, luckily, so I can, I'm can. i going to bench him and kind of see how it plays out. And they play this, uh, this week on Sunday Night Football against Steelers, so going to see how that plays out. But, but yeah, it's definitely a tough one. Team I want to bring up next is the New York Giants. They had two injuries. Uh, Saquon Barkley sprained his ankle again. It looks like he's going to be out a few weeks. Daniel Jones got a concussion. Not necessarily sure on the timeline of his injury. Joe, um, Joe Judge Joe Judge said today that he is on track to play. Oh, wow. Daniel okay. Jones? Yeah. Sorry, did you say Daniel, Daniel Jones? As of now, Daniel Jones, according to Joe Judge, is on track to play on Sunday. So we'll see if that sticks or not, but as of now, on track. Okay. Well, they have the Rams. They're going home. They're playing L.A. And that would be crazy if he came back after one week. I mean, we all saw him stumble as he got up from the hit. So it's a scary sight to see, but we'll see if he can somehow make it back on the field there. I I was, that's surprising. I I thought he would at least miss one game, but I I still think he will. I feel like they're, they're trying to stay positive about it. I don't, I don't see a situation where he, if they're like, if they're smart, I, I wouldn't be rushing him. Like their team is already so depleted as it is. I don't, 
I don't see much of a benefit in rushing him out there to play against one of the top teams in the league. Yeah, full strength, full strength of not being the Rams anyway. Like, correct. That's what. Yeah, they're they're. Of course, no team wants to admit that, but yeah. (laughs) No, they're they're very. They were already not a good team, and then they happened to lose arguably their top three players on their team in one week. So it's it, it's it's tough for them. They're they got some some uphill climbing to do for sure. Yeah, I'm kind of a little angry because the Giants plus seven was one of my locks of the week. It did not hit, but I mean, it's hard to say, but I, you have to believe they would have been in a little bit more competitive if the, they had played the entire game. So sucks to see, but we will, we'll, uh, we'll never know. Uh, Kadarius Tony was really emerging in that game. He had 13 targets, 10 receptions and 189 yards. And you have to think now, I mean, it sounds like Jones has a chance to play at least, but, you know, with these injuries here, their offense may stall a little bit, especially, you know, Devontae Booker looked okay, but again, he's an old running back who's been on many different teams. Kind of a Devontae Booker. So, So, I don't know. Maybe this kind of stalls the momentum he was kind of building in his, uh, in the first quarter of his rookie season here, but that's another point I wanted to bring up. And, you know, jo- Jones has been playing really well this year. I mean, he's 10th in QBR. He's only thrown one pick. Obviously, the main criticism that comes with Daniel Jones is the turnovers, but it, so far, at least, he's cleaned that up. So, I mean, if Mike Lennon's got to start a couple games or one game here, I think that's a big drop-off. I mean, he didn't even play the full game. He threw two interceptions. So, I don't know. I think the, the Giants are a team that stays competitive. That's kind of the mm-hmm. rationale of why I – pick them for lock of the week i mean their wins and losses don't necessarily show for it but they're in games and i think uh definitely has an impact on the the lines as well i mean you see this week they're 10 or 10 and a half point underdogs and a half so maybe that number would go up a little bit if jones was fully healthy maybe they'd only be like a touchdown or eight point underdog so it has definitely has a swing there and um just for the giants i mean i you can't expect them to stay competitive whatsoever if he's not on the field so no mike lennon's probably so mad that he has to like actually play in an nfl game i've <laughs> he, he i don't know if you guys agree he's probably the biggest thief in nfl history yeah like i think yeah. of him and i think of like sam bradford is like my top two in terms of thieves but like i think glenn more bears paid glenn a lot of money didn't yeah, he get like a 20 million dollar contract cause, cause, I, yeah because i guess like, like like bradford at least had like a stretch of time where he was like the guy for a team with both St. Louis and then also with Philly, but, um, and I guess with Minnesota for a little too, but like Glennon, Glennon made like a very similar amount of money for doing like 20% of that work. Like he, he is completely a lifetime backup who got thrown, he got thrown into a couple starting roles when need be, but he, I mean, what a story. I like, I I'm, I'm so jealous of that, man. You got to respect Oh, I, I completely respect it without a doubt in my mind. It's just, it's just so crazy to think about someone who makes that much money doing about as close to nothing as you could do besides, I guess, studying the playbook and being like a good teammate. I guess. Okay. Um, in 2017, he, so he started with the Bucks from thir- 2013 to 16. In 2017, he got his big contract with the Bears. Either of you remember it? It was a lot of money. Was it like 70 million somewhere around there? It was no, it was only 45 million for three years. So an only average for three years, average salary of 15 million a year. I remember in 2017 when he got that, I was like, 
I hardly even knew who he was. <laughs> Honestly, like I was like, what? What? I was so confused at why that happened. And how, how many career starts does he have? Do you have that in front of you? I don't, but I will in my guess is like minimal seconds. My guess is I, I bet he has like 15 or 16 starts. I was going to say, has he even started a full season's worth of games? That's I think he's, he's going to be right around a full season. Uh, a little off. It says here he's started 27 games, played in 35. Okay. Still, like, I mean. <laughs> How many years has he been in the league? Since 2013. Okay, so, so what this is ninth year, eighth year. Yeah. Yeah. So he's averaging three three starts a year. Good yeah. job, definitely, Mike. Definitely worth it for the yeah. uh, amount of money. So. Oh, definitely. Yeah. He's a good more idea. He's a good locker room guy, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So Giants are a little bit in trouble, even more so than they already were. I mean, they're how much worse can a one and four team really get? But I mean Definitely going to be an uphill battle for them as well. Uh, any other teams or players you want to mention here that I forgot to? I have one, and this is more of a this is more because I want to talk about the team a little bit more. But this obviously isn't the biggest loss for their offense based on how they run their offense. But Clyde Edwards, Clyde Edwards Hilaire going out for Kansas City, um, obviously a, a blow for them. That they've started using him a little bit more, which is good to see because I really do like Clyde. But more than anything. The Chiefs offense is one of, for me personally this season, one of the biggest letdowns in football. I, I've been perplexed by this, by this team. Um, I get like, I mean, I guess maybe not so much the offense, but the defense is just atrocious, like, yeah. like really bad. But at the same time, I like, I, I feel like we've seen so many games with the Chiefs where just like every player on offense is just like clicking. And this year, this year, it feels like you're getting either a big game from Hill or you're getting a big game from Kelsey, and that that's it. And teams, that I guess, have started to figure it out a little bit. The one thing that they were talking about in that Sunday night game with the Bills was that they were playing – they weren't blitzing, like, at all. They were using the – I guess what Collinsworth kind of called it, like, the Bucks method in the Super Bowl, where you're just not blitzing and you're, you're, forcing, you're forcing these receivers to – you're forcing Mahomes to kind of throw these receivers open, and he, he can only do so much. But it, it has been – crazy to see how like teams have been able to stay close with them like consistently all year yeah the defense is so bad we're gonna get it's really bad we're gonna get into that in a a second here but uh yeah Clyde is on IR the short-term IR so he's has to miss at the minimum three games and um I mean I I'm, I'm a big Clyde fan as well but I mean, I think Darrell Williams can definitely suffice for the time being. Uh, he's looked okay and when he's gotten his opportunities. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's not necessarily the offense's fault. It's just the defense's fault. And uh, they're they're falling to two and three. It's something that no one really kind of expected here going into not the season. All. So, I got Dan, one more like, injury. Oh, oh yeah, go sorry. Ahead. No, 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 please. Um, we kind of mentioned it, but I want to talk about Levante David. On the Bucks, uh, there are conflicting reports out there uh, whether it was a low or high ankle sprain, but I'm pretty sure it was a high ankle sprain. Um, as I mentioned earlier, he's ruled out for Thursday and considered week to week after that. Uh, for what I know about the high and low ankle sprain, having a high ankle sprain is definitely worse, and that can linger 
Um, even if like you're suiting up, maybe he, he may not be playing a hundred percent, which if this injury lingers for David, like he's, I don't, I want to almost call him like the lead of their defense as their middle linebacker, especially he showed that in the last year, um, which that's going to have a big impact on the Bucks defense as a whole, which is already really hurt. Um, like Sean Murphy bunting was on IR Carlton Davis also on IR. That's why they had to sign Richard Sherman. Um, JPP's questionable for Thursday. Um, and Levante David and Winfield are both ruled out. Antoine Winfield are both ruled out uh, for Thursday. Winfield with a concussion. Um, that's been, I mean, the Bucks defense has not been playing well this year. And I think if this lingers for David, that could uh, maybe hurt them in the postseason. I still picture them going to make the playoffs, but um, a lot of injuries on defense can pile up. Kind of happened to the Steelers last year. Uh, I guess that's it. I also have down here that the Bucks have led up the most passing yards so far this season, which makes sense with Murphy Bunting, Carlton Davis um, on IR, uh, also, but also the least amount of rushing yards. So that may change with David being out um, and or being hurt. So just something to look out for. Yeah, I still think yeah, David's a big loss, but I still think the rush defense is going to be really good going forward. It's just the secondary is it's bad right now. I mean, it's it's the like you just outlined. There's so many injuries that you can't really do anything with that. I mean, the backups can only play so well, um, but it'll be interesting to see if the Eagles, if Hurts can have a big day passing uh, coming up here. So. I forgot how we got onto this. I is Jack brought up Levante David, but um, there's another injury I wanted to point out. Right, right, definitely. Um, I guess the last thing I guess I want to injury. We, we I think we have to probably talk about Juju. He's out for the season with a shoulder injury. Is that what they're calling it? Arm injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think shoulder. Yeah, I don't know. Tough to see. Obviously, we're a big fan of Juju. And I mean, it could be his last game as a Steeler. Who knows? He's still a free agent next year. He signed a one-year deal. So I don't really want to think about that, but you have to kind of acknowledge it's a possibility for sure. And, you know, at this point, who knows what kind of contract he'll be able to get next season. He only played five games. So definitely a lot of uncertainty in the air and, We'll be fine. We have enough receiver depth, but just the morale. I mean, I'm sure he was well liked in the locker room. He is, and uh, it's just interesting to, you know, to ponder what might happen next off season with uh, his contract situation, just with this injury here. So, right. Yeah. Definitely a, sad to see. As a Steelers fan, I'd be very upset because the one thing about Ju- like I, I know he obviously gets a lot of hate from definitely like outside fans in terms of his like social media presence and things of that nature, but he just seems like an all around, just like, a, like just great person more than anything. And you can tell he loves Pittsburgh and he loves being in Pittsburgh. So as a Steelers fan, that definitely tough to see, especially considering that he's going to have to renegotiate for something next year, which could be back in Pittsburgh, could be somewhere else, but um, definitely tough. The good thing about the Steelers is they, they do have some other guys that are going to be able to step up and, and take some targets. Yeah. I mean, I, I I've said it before. I'm, I'm not sure if it was on the podcast or not, but, Juju does do a lot of stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. I mean, he's a tough receiver. He's got great hands and he's always a reliable target for Ben. And 
he's just it's just not always going to show up in terms of you know the touchdowns and whatnot and but it's just I don't know how to explain it but he's a lot of intricacies to his game that are really beneficial to a team in my opinion so yeah we will see how it goes going forward but just wanted to mention that as well um all right so we'll move on unless you guys have any other thing any other uh injuries you want to bring up here but Nope. Time to vent. <laughs> Do you guys want to start with who 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 you love or who you hate first? I only got one. I, I, I want to go love first and then go hate because I feel like we should finish with hate. I want to I want to get into it a little bit. All right. So Jack only has one. Is is it a player that you're mad at or that you want to praise? Not praise. <laughs> okay. Shref. So go ahead. Who who do you want to give a shout out to in, in a a good shout out to? You can go yeah, this is this is a bittersweet one because we've we've talked about him a couple times on this. Um, he just keeps like producing, and every week I think that this is going to be the week that he's not going to produce, and he just keeps doing it. So I'm going to go with Dawson Knox as, as my pick for this one. I thought we were going to say um, Cordell Patterson, but no, 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 no. He, I I still think he's going to eventually stop producing, but Dawson Knox seems to be like a legit like prime target of Josh Allen. Josh Allen seems to absolutely love throwing to him. Um, I have him in, I had him in two leagues, and I just traded him last week while his stock was very high. And I assumed that within these next couple of weeks, it's going to decline, which it still could. But Josh Allen just loves throwing to this guy. He's He doesn't like drop balls. He's always open for some reason. I guess it's because like you have Diggs and Sanders on the outside that definitely leaves some, some room in the middle of the field for him. But um, just to get specific in terms of my matchup, I went into a league where I was 2-1-1. and one. I tied week one, which is always fun. Um, I was losing by, I believe, 15 points going into the going into the Sunday night game. I was the last person with someone to play. I had Dawson Knox. This is not PPR. This is nothing. This is just standard league. So obviously, 15 points for a tight end seemed a bit uh, crazy to think about. Knox put up 17, three catches, 117 yards, and a touchdown. I, I told Jack, all this guy knows how to do is score touchdowns. He, he doesn't know anything else in his life. He wakes up in the morning <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to go score a touchdown today. And, and, and he does it. And I've never seen anything like it. And I, I, I very much appreciate him starting to have a little bit of regret for training him in my other league, but I did get the Hawk back. So I'm hoping that the Hawk gets going, but overall Dawson Knox is my pick. He has been an absolute savior for my team. That that's a league where I, I didn't even pay attention to tight end until round like nine or 10. So the fact that I was able to pick him up early on and he's been doing what he's been doing has been instrumental for that team. Yeah. A couple of things to say on that. I mean, I've, I've actually always been a fan of Dawson Knox. I believe he was a rookie in 2019, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Yep. And I actually, I didn't draft him in our dynasty rookie draft, but I picked him up as an undrafted free agent. He, uh, he did not make my roster just because I didn't have enough space for him. And that was also an offseason where I picked up Darren Waller before he was anyone knew who he really was. So I kind of had to decide between do I want to keep Darren Waller or Dawson Knox? And I definitely made the right decision with keeping Waller. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, I, I definitely did see some potential through his game. He uh, went to Ole Miss and he was kind of uh, buried behind. Uh, I don't know if Elijah Moore was there yet, but obviously A.J. Brown. Definitely DK A.J. Met- and D.K. Yeah. D.K. Metcalf. Um 
they had another good receiver too. I don't think he made it to the pros, but he had a decent college career as well. Uh, I think it was Demarcus Lodge or something. I I don't know. That sounds, yeah, sure. We'll go with that. They had another receiver as well. Anyway, very talented pass catching group at Ole Miss. So he kind of got lost in the fold there. But he was always super athletic, and when he got the ball in his hand, I mean, he very fast for a tight end and definitely has that playmaking ability. So I've actually always been a fan of Dawson Knox, and I, I, I uh, you know, I always, I was, a part of me is a little bit proud when he he make he's he's having a good start to the season because I kind of I even though he didn't he's not on my team in Dynasty, I uh, I'm kind of proud that I was able to maybe at least identify uh, a little bit of a uh, potential there. So. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a proud dad moment on that one because like in in, in all the league, I I probably picked him up and I I want to say maybe like three leagues I think, and in all of them it was like it was after it was he was either after week one or two, and I think he had caught like two touchdowns and I was like I'm just gonna put a flyer on him like I need a tight end, and it, it he just he just gets open he's athletic he just finds open spots in the field and like I said I I think. The, the development of Josh Allen has been instrumental towards him getting more targets. Is it like Josh Allen is spreading the ball a little bit more? Like he's finding all these different guys to get like, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is looking like a top, like 25 fantasy receiver this year. And it's, we're, we're talking about Emmanuel Sanders, like that it's more of a, a reflection of the bills offense more than anything. But I mean, Knox is Knox for, for anyone who he reminds me a lot, actually, I keep seeing comparisons is uh like a Tyler Eifert from, I forget what, what fantasy season that was where he randomly just had like 13, 14 touchdowns, something like that. You always get one of those tight ends. Like it was Tanyan last year too, where you just have these guys that just keep catching touchdowns. So if you, if you were lucky enough to pick him up after like week one or two, congrats, you have yourself a, what seems to be a legit tight end one going forward. So good on you. Yeah, definitely. And I, one last thing I wanted to say on Knox as well is that I think you said you had a little bit of regret at trading him. You definitely should have waited till after you played the Swiss cheese, Kansas city chiefs defense. Yeah, and then you, Cause I don't know. I mean, they're bad. So you always got to look at those matchups as well. And that's when I was kind of putting out some feelers for Cordell Patterson um, and nothing came of fruition with it, but this was before they played the Jets. So I knew the Jets obviously have a terrible defense, terrible run defense. So it probably would have been, you know, they have learned a buy this week, but still, I mean, it's, it's always good to kind of look at the head of the matchups and see if there's, you know, bad secondary, bad run defense coming up. Yeah. Your guy might, might have a good game. It's better to sell high. Then. I think I traded him two weeks ago, so it's not as bad, but okay. it was, I was, I was looking for, I forget in that league. I needed a, what did I need? I needed a wide receiver bad. So the, I, in that trade, I, let me, let me think if I can remember, I traded, it's actually funny. I traded, I had a big blockbuster. I traded Edward Solaire. I traded McLaurin and I traded Pollard. Oh, actually here, we'll, we'll go through this real quick. So I traded Edward Solaire, McLaurin and Pollard. And in return, I got TJ Hawkinson, Tyreek Hill and James Connor which I was very happy with. But then my next step was that, Hey, I'm now, I'm now sitting here with Hawkinson and Knox. I'm only starting one of those guys. So let's trade one of them. So I traded Knox straight up for Damian Harris, which still I'm okay with. Cause I think Harris went healthy and like he, he's really the only guy they have there right now, but overall Knox, if he keeps performing, I'm only going to feel worse and worse about making that, that one for one trade for sure. Right. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not personally the biggest Damian Harris fan, so I wouldn't personally like that, but you never know. I mean, running back is a very scarce position, so. I was just looking for depth. I was looking for depth. Yeah, fair enough. Guy I want to give some love to is a person I've been a fan of for the last three years. I get him pretty much in every single year in redraft, and I was looking to get him in our Dynasty rookie draft from 2019, but I did not come away with him. Is Alexander Madison. Every single time he gets the opportunity to start for an injured Dalvin Cook, he always kills it. Uh, granted, this week it was against the Lions, and they do have a really bad run defense in general. I mean, this season I think they've given up the fourth most fantasy points to running backs, which they seem to do every single year. They always seem to be year after year bottom five in rush defense and points allowed to running backs, but Nonetheless, you have to play who's on your schedule, and Madison really seized the opportunity to have a good game as the starter. I mean, he had 25 carries for 113 yards, seven catches, 40 yards, and a touchdown. So he absolutely killed it. His other start this year, which was uh, against the Seahawks, another bad defense, uh, definitely against the run, 26 carries for 112 yards, six catches for 59 yards, and... I mean, he's just, he's just a stud. I mean, I, in my opinion, I think he's, a, he's the reason why you shouldn't have paid Dalvin Cook. I think he can give you what Dalvin Cook gives you. Not 100%, but pretty darn close. I think he's, an, he's like a top 7 to 10 play when he's the starter. So That's fair. He, he's just he's great, and I just don't understand. I don't get either. Whenever Cook's healthy... They give him 25, 30 touches a game. Whatever Madison, and then he's out. They give Madison. They don't. They don't, they don't do split. committees at all. No, they don't split. So I mean, I, I I just said I wouldn't have agreed with the decision to pay Cook, but you already did. So why not try to preserve that investment that you made in him by kind of? You don't have to do a 50 50. I mean, teams are doing this all over the league, but Zeke maybe- and Pollard are a great example of it. I mean, Zeke, yeah. Zeke's been making however much money, and he was easily a three down back for a while and now they finally started to let Pollard take some carries from him and you've seen the results of it Zeke's back to what everyone thought he was going to be and it's I, I think a large part of it is because he's not he's not running the ball like 40 times like they had him doing before like it did situational stuff it, it's it's the, the future of the NFL is the RB by committee and it, it's been clear a, across the league exactly just give just give Cook 15 to 17 touches a game and give Madison 10 touches a game. Yeah. It it just, in my opinion, that would work so much better. They're both talented. Um, and it would help preserve the health of Cook, who has had trouble uh staying healthy for an entire 16 or 17 game season now. So I don't know. Doesn't make sense to me. I gotta give a shout out to Alexander Madison because I don't know, I'm just a big fan of his. I always he's always on my bench. Uh, at least for the past two seasons. So he's, he's just he's just lurking down there, just waiting for I his mean, chance. I, I mean, I just don't obviously you don't want to see Cook get hurt, but whenever Madison gets an opportunity, I'm I'm always kind of excited. Uh, I guess that's a silver lining, I guess, in a player getting hurt. But I mean, I don't know. I just love I love Alexander Madison. I think he's a, a very solid back. So yep, good job, Alex. Jack, who are right, so we're we're gonna go we're gonna vent now. Uh, we're gonna it's we're time. a little mad at these guys. I don't. So these are players that you went against and you're mad at, and they did well. 
or is it players in your own team that are disappointing? The first one, right? The yeah, second I'm, one. I'm, oh, he's doing own team. I'm, I'm doing a guy that I went against. Same, Shref. But, Jack, you okay. can go ahead. Who on your own team in one of your leagues are you a little bit pissed at? That you oh, I think won? I know who this is going to be, actually. Okay. You probably do. It's someone we I talked about. Yeah. It's someone we yeah. talked about. Oh, Shref definitely knows, actually. Yeah. You say, who is it? It's Allen Robinson, isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah. So I'm not <laughs> mad at Allen Robinson per se. I don't get mad at my own players. I love them all. <laughs> but uh, Allen Robinson, sorry, Spotify. Uh, he averages about three and a half receptions per game on only six targets so far through five weeks. I was expecting his 2020 6.3 receptions per game on 9.4 targets to be his floor, but Nat, Matt Nagy ruined everything. Um, I mentioned it last episode, I think, that I'm really hoping that now that Fields is a starter going forward, they'll create some kind of connection. Um, again, it's nothing against Allen Robinson. I still think he's a fantastic wide receiver. Just the situation just turned really, really bad. Um, for my own team, so he's on my dynasty team. He's on the Obagoyas, a team that uh, I hold so, so close to my heart. And we, it's our dynasty league that I've put a lot of time and effort into. Um, I was counting on Robinson to be my, to be my wide receiver one, Amari Cooper to be my wide receiver two, and Chase Claywell to be my wide receiver three, which the other two are shaping up to like to be that. Especially now with Juju being out for the year, I really think Claypool can take off. He showed it last on Sunday when Juju was out for most of the game. Uh, Claypool had I think like five receptions and six targets for. 130 yards and a touchdown, I believe, just going off my memory. Uh, I really do think that's going to continue for the rest of the season. He's such a good wide receiver. Um, I don't have to share my love for Chase Claypool more. I Everyone knows he's probably my favorite player in the NFL. But um, luckily for me, I have Michael Thomas coming back soon, hopefully week seven, uh, whom I traded for with Mitchell uh, in, like, I think it was August. Um so if Michael Thomas comes back and be in is a wide receiver one, which I'm hoping for, I'll just rely on Al Robinson to be like a wide receiver three. And I got like Michael Thomas, Mark Cooper, Claypool, and Robinson. Hopefully they have strong ends of the season. Like my bench wide receivers aren't much. I have Tim Patrick, Cole Beasley, Darius Slayton. Uh, that's about it. So, uh, but right now the Obagoyas, the Obagoyas update. I'm fifth. I am fifth in the league in points four. So I'm a decent team. Uh, however, I have the lowest points against. So I've gotten a little lucky, and I'm five and zero. So I'm grateful for those five wins uh, to start the season. Um, I mean, other than that, my other than my wide receivers, like my team's pretty good. I have Dak, Chubb, and Hunt, and Antonio Gibson, and Travis Kelsey. So those are solid five guys that I rely on points for every week. Um, I guess that's all I got to say with the Obagoyes. I will say the Obagoyas in 2017, my whole, our whole league knows how disappointing they were. I went six and one and then went six and seven, missed the playoffs. So I am really nervous of that happening again, but I'm hoping history does not repeat itself as my team is better than then. The end. All right. So, Sheriff, you can go last. So I hate to interject here, but we're going to have like a dirty dozen eight minute here talk, but. <laughs> The Obagoyas are undefeated. 
as Jack mentioned, they are fifth in points for the lowest points against. It pains me to hear that because I should be sharing that right now first seed in the uh, in the dirty dozen. I was four and zero, but because of this guy, <laughs> I'm not. And we did mention him earlier in the show, so I was four and one. I went. Every, I mean, quick backstory. I was 12 and one last season. I had the po- highest points for. What was your points for? I, we're going to, you have to go back and find that. It was, I think really, it was like 1800 or something. It was nuts. Like your team's insane. Margin. Yeah. 12 and one. Blew through the regular season. Through through the playoffs up until the championship. And I mentioned it, I think before as well, probably many times. I'm probably repeating myself, but I just get fired up about this stuff. <laughs> We all know I went against Alvin Kamara on Christmas Day. I got really drunk to forget it. Yada, yada, yada. Sure. I lost 180 to 91 in the championship. So it was bad stuff, bad stuff. This season, start out 4-0. So if you're keeping track, I've lost one regular season game (laughs) since 2019, two years. And then this Sunday, this Sunday happened. I'm up 61.36 going into Sunday Night Football. And my opponent had Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, and Emmanuel Sanders. So even though I'm up 61.3, I'm not, I'm not counting this as an automatic victor. I know the Bills have a great offense, whatever. Remember, keep in mind, I said 61.36 points, Sunday Night Football. My opponent has Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders. I lost by 1.94. How do you let the corpse of Emmanuel Sanders come in there and score two touchdowns against you. And one of them didn't even matter. It was in the end of the game. Like, are you kidding me? It's Emmanuel Sanders. I, 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 when the Bills signed him, I thought he was just for a locker room presence. I thought he was just the de facto leader of the wide receiver group. Just, just a good guy. His, yeah. Yeah. He's bringing more contributions from his locker room speeches or whatever, not his on-field sure. play. I thought this guy was done after a tour his Achilles two years ago. And he's out here scoring touchdowns. He's looking like 2013 Emmanuel Sanders when he was a Peyton Manning. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Kansas City's an embarrassment. I don't know. Steve Spagnuolo, how do you, what is your problem? You have good players <laughs> in your defense. You have Frank Clark. You have Tyron Matthew. You have Jerry Sneed had a good rookie season. You have good players. <laughs> you can't coach up the rest of them to be at least serviceable. And like, it's, I mean, I know we just gave Dawson Knox some love 15 minutes ago, but. It's just Dawson Knox and Emmanuel Sanders. Stephon Diggs didn't even do anything. Really. Well, that, that's what I was going to say. I, I, I think the thing that makes it even worse is like if if Diggs is the one that went off, you can't be as mad. So it's like, all right, it's Stephon Diggs. I got the top five receiver in the NFL. But it's Emmanuel Sanders. That makes that's it what 10 saying. times worse. It would have been easier to swallow if it was Stephon Diggs having a 10 reception, 130 sure. yards and a touchdown. Because he does that. That's what he does. It's Emmanuel Sanders. How do you <laughs> – I mean, he's what? What is he like? Thirty-two years old, and he's he's old. He's at least he's probably 32, 33. Yeah. I like I said, I counted him out when he tore his Achilles a couple years ago. I'm like, he's flown around to the Saints and the Bill side. I'm like, okay, whatever. They signed Emmanuel Sanders. He's just like a. Oh, it is infuriating. I maybe I just maybe my expectations are too high just because I I I've like I said I've lost three games in two years and I just take every loss so personally. But it's just. I, my team did well too. I scored 134 and, you know, Austin Eckler and Derek Henry combined for 60 something points for me. So my guys did their thing. It's just, I can't believe it. I, Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, I'm glad it's just the 
the regular season, but if it was the playoffs, I would I would probably have to take a week off of the show. But <laughs> anyway, sorry. Go ahead, Shref. Go ahead. I'm for right, so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give you a little bit of a backstory to this one because um there were there were decisions that that went into this guy being played against me that really upset me looking back on it. And the other thing I should say is I I went five and one last week in fantasy. So I, I honestly struggled to find a guy who just like pissed me off to no end. This was the guy that I landed on. So this is uh Jack, you'll like this. This is in my, this is in my league from home, 12 team league. I'm going against uh, Noah Nestro, who uh, a friend of a few of us, we, we all, everyone loves Nestro around here. That's back to back Nestro uh, shout outs on back to back. Yeah. The, the first one was a good shout out. This one is, this one is not going to be a good shout out though. So, so going into this week, he, he's sitting there um, at the moment. He has McCaffrey, but obviously on his bench, so that obviously hurts him. Um, his receivers are, are, are good. Um, but going into the game, he's texting us and he's like, do I start Tyler Boyd or do I start Antonio Brown? And a few people respond in the group chat and the overall consensus is, is you should start Antonio Brown. So he's going into this game, not sure if he should start Tyler Boyd or Antonio Brown. And he goes with Brown. Tyler Boyd goes for four receptions for 24 yards. He had nothing. Half point PPR for 4.4 points. Um, instead, he decides to start Antonio Brown at his wide receiver two spot. Antonio Brown goes for seven receptions, 124 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, I didn't, I didn't like that very much. <laughs> um, and the 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 thing that makes it worse is that Jamar Chase was his wide receiver one for the week, who got him 24.9. So it was, it was just, <laughs> like the receivers just just messed me up. And on the flip side of this, Tyree Kill, seven catches, 63 yards. I I need more out of you. I just just plain and simple. I need more out of you. Um, that, that would help me for sure. But Antonio Brown, and, and it's not even against Brown specifically. It's just in that Bucks offense, it, it, there's always one guy that like normally has like a big day. And the thing that made me really upset is that everyone had a big day. They, they just, they, they just kept going. They just kept scoring touchdowns. And it was the most absurd thing I've ever seen in my life. You don't see it in the NFL very often where just every possession is just, they just score just every time. Dolphins could not figure them out for the life of them. And Antonio Brown just ran absolutely rampant against Miami. And it was, it was at a point where like, I mean, that, that was like all those games were one o'clock games, but by, by the time it hit 425, I was like, I already lost. Like I, there was nothing I could have done there. There was no Tyreek Hill was the one saving grace I had. And he did fine, but not, not good by Tyreek Hill standards, but Antonio Brown, um, you know, Tom Brady still, I think I said this on a, on a previous podcast, Tom Brady probably tucks him in and kisses him goodnight before bed, but it, like it, Antonio Brown, it, it just, it just made me upset out of all people. Like I, I'm already mad enough at, at, at Antonio Brown as it is just because of he's Antonio Brown, but now he's going to go out and, and put up 27.9 fantasy points on me. Like, come on, man. That's just too much. I have a few comments. First of all, Brady probably kisses him on the lips. You think so? Yeah, he probably does. You're right. Because yeah. that's that's his MO. He'd be doing um, that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, why is Nestro asking the league for advice on who he should start? That's just weird. Well, and, and yeah, and I, that, that's the weirdest part. I obviously didn't respond to that text, but other people are responding like, oh, definitely Brown. Shut up. 
Let him start yeah. Floyd. <laughs> yeah, like, well, I don't understand. Like, I would never ask the people in the league for advice. Believe me, Mitchell, I agree. I agree. And that, I that's that, what, more, like, it, like I said, it wasn't Brown necessarily that made me the most mad. It was the situation that led to this. Like, I already felt good going in because, like, oh, like, McCaffrey's not playing. Like, this is a huge, like, leg up for me. Like, I have Derrick Henry, who I know is going to put up, like, 30 points a game for me. So, like, I, I know I'm going to score points. So I'm just like, well, McCaffrey's out. Like his his biggest point score is done for the day. Like it, this is perfect. And then Antonio Brown, who he wasn't even, who he was considering not starting up until like an hour before game time, throws him in there and gets 27 point nine. It's just it's unfortunate. Infuriating. Yeah. All right. Glad we got that off our chest. Emmanuel yeah, Sanders. I feel I, better now. He inspired that segment there. So. <laughs> Maybe if there's something egregious, we'll bring this back. But um, <laughs> hope we don't have to. I hope, hope we don't have another album. <laughs> I, hope so Christmas, Christmas, uh, <laughs> I hope so, incident, too. I hope so, too. All right. So we're going to move on to our week six matchup previews. Um, there's a – I think there's definitely a few games that stand out here. First game I want to bring up is Chargers versus the Ravens. Definitely – really good teams heading into this matchup. I'm excited to watch it. Um, but I want to acknowledge my bias here in saying this because everyone knows we're Steelers fans. So anything negative we're going to say about the Ravens is uh, can be perceived that way. But I like to think that I am unbiased because I had the Ravens winning the division in the beginning of the year. I still think they probably will. But I do have to acknowledge they've gotten kind of lucky for the first five weeks of the season. Um just to quickly take you through their weeks. Week one, they lose to Las Vegas. Monday Night Football, the opener in overtime. Week two, they beat the Chiefs by one point, and we all just kind of said how the Chiefs don't really look the same the first part of the season. Week three, they beat the Lions barely off of a historical anomaly. They kick a 66-yard field goal. It's never happened before. So they squeak by Detroit. Week four, they beat the Broncos 23-7, to but Drew Locke played, so can you really count that game? Teddy Bridgewater wasn't in there. Teddy covers wasn't in there week five. They're down 22 to three. They're getting absolutely pounded by the Colts and they make some miraculous comeback. So it's, they don't, they don't look exactly like the four and one team. I think they should probably be maybe a two and three or three and two team. That's just kind of how I see it. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? That's a fair point. Um, I didn't really consider like how like close they're, or not as impressive their wins really are. I think it's not even, I think I know, and it's obvious like they're saving grace to Lamar Jackson, which I'm, I mean, as much as I dislike the Ravens, I love Lamar He's so Jackson. Good. He's so and good. all the Lamar slander, like I, I've always believed in him as a passer because of, uh, I feel like I watched him somewhat in college and I know he can, he, he could throw it at Louisville. Um, he showed he can throw the ball real well last night. He went like 37 to 42, if I can remember correctly, 44. It was like something 440 crazy, passing yeah. yards and four touchdowns or something like that, leading an insane comeback. So he's a phenomenal athlete and a phenomenal player, and I'm glad he's getting the praise he deserves. Um, with that being said, though, I mean, this is a very injury-riddled injury uh, uh, Ravens team. So that's another reason why – Maybe they're, they're not getting lucky. I mean, maybe it's kind of like a, a Russell Wilson, Seahawks, like Lamar, Raven situation this year. Like, 
a lot of he's just carrying them. That's really it. Yeah, exactly. I just wanted to point that out there, just in case people haven't haven't quite realized that. Uh, I know TJ definitely is on the on the narrative that the Ravens are a little bit fraudulent, but I'm not saying that they are. I'm just trying to bring awareness to kind of what what they've kind of gone through so far in the first five weeks of the season. Um, and this is definitely going to be, I think, their biggest test. I mean, the Chargers are getting MVP level play from Justin Herbert. Pat myself on the back. I called that. Um, and they look to be the real deal. I mean, they went toe to toe with the Browns. I know it was a very high scoring game, and but they edged him out at the end. And I uh, just think we're going to find out a lot about these teams on Sunday. Agreed. What game is next? Uh, do you want to go, Trev? Yeah, I'll go. Um, I got Cardinals Browns on this one. I do too. Ah, look at that. Um, just a fun offensive matchup more than anything. I mean, Browns by far, I, not by far, but I think everyone would agree right now. Best, best rushing offense in the league. They've been unstoppable so far with that rushing offense. Hunt and Chubb are a absolute dynamic duo. I don't see a way that any defense is really stopping them. But then on the flip side here, you have the guy who's pr- arguably been the most electric quarterback in football so far this year in Kyler Murray. You have a ton of weapons. You have DeAndre Hopkins looking like his normal self. Rondale Moore has come into his own. AJ Green has like, like risen from the dead. I don't know how that happened. He's sitting there. Um, just a really fun offensive matchup. Uh Browns, I think, have the edge just because their defense has been a bit more stingy this year than the Cardinals have been. But I think the ideal scenario here is we just get an absolute bloodbath, a lot of scores, a lot of like long runs, a lot of long passes. I'm hoping for like a on it. I mean, the way I think about it now, like, I mean, you you got the you got two former Oklahoma quarterbacks. I want I want like that that big 12 just like 55 to 45 score. That's like the ideal scenario for me. But I'm just based on the offenses alone, I am looking forward to this game very much. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Cardinals are 28th in the league in rushing yards allowed, and the Browns are obviously first in the league in rushing yards, offensive rushing yards. Um, quick game real quick. Do you guys know how many rushing touchdowns and how many rushing yards the Browns average through the first five games per game? Oh, rushing oh. touchdowns, probably two. Maybe three, now two, and then rushing yards, hundred seventy-five. Mitchell, do you have a guess? They averaged two hundred and six, and they averaged two point two touchdowns. You guys are pretty close in the ballpark. It's one hundred eighty-seven rushing yards and two point four t- rushing touchdowns. They got twelve Good. rushing touchdowns on the year, and I thought that was a very high number. Um, it was high. But to pick out a weak spot in the Cardinals defense, I remember going into the year, and I mean, this still holds true in my opinion, it's their interior defensive linemen. Um, And it's shown, as I just said, the Cardinals are 28th against the run um, in terms of rushing yards. So uh, it's going to be interesting watching these guys. I I think the Browns are going to stick to their MO and run the ball up the middle with these two backs and – it's a joy to watch. I know I've said it before. I really just love watching them run the football is how they, their play called their play design, like how they shift linemen around. And um, yeah, it'll, it'll, I, with that being said, 
I, I think it's going to be interesting to watch. I wouldn't be surprised if Cleveland controls most of this game just because of how dominant their rushing attack is and how vulnerable the Cardinals may be against the rush, especially with the Browns being at home coming off a heartbreaker loss. That's another added factor um, to consider. Yeah, it should be a great game. And I, I mean, I, what Shreff said, I hope it's 55 to 45. Oh, it'd be so good. Because that means Kyler would theoretically have a fantastic game. He is, mm-hmm. he does have a little bit of a shoulder thing going on. So I hope that doesn't affect him. Um, but I mean, I don't think he's in any danger whatsoever of missing the game, but no. I hope that doesn't affect his play. Um, all right. Is there any other games we want to talk about? Or are we going to go to lock of the week? Let's go lock. Let's do it. Lock it up. Lock the gates. H2P. Shout out Pitt. You know, Pitt's got Shout Pitt football's Pitt. got yeah. some momentum. Uh, we're five and one. We're um, me and Chef personally are going to Blacksburg, Virginia for the Virginia Tech game this weekend. We're excited um, for a big ACC matchup that will have uh, implications on the coastal division. So uh on well, uh, coastal division on the college football playoff. What are you talking about? That's true. Yeah, there is there is some college football playoff buzz for Pitt around uh, Pitt's campus. Um, Wait, can I actually say they were? Um, we looked at this the other week. Pitt is currently, I think, like ninth or tenth in terms of best odds to win the to win the championship at the moment. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you guys ranked yet? No. <laughs> It should be. Yeah, I think no, gonna, we, if if we win this game, we'll be. We'll definitely my be. My right. guess is we'll be we'll be sitting around like the the mid to late teens. I I'd think. say upper teens. Yeah, uh, but I think we got like six votes uh, this past week, um, which I think put us in like the low thirties in terms of like votes. So big game, be, baby. Big game. All right, now I'm ready. You guys are going to the game this weekend, and I will be uh, there two weekends from now when they play Clemson. So right, there we go. exciting stuff. All right, lock of the week. Last week, I will give a quick recap of our picks and how they did. Myself, I picked the Titans minus four because they played the Jaguars. That was an easy one that definitely hit. So I got one one there, but. As I said earlier as well, the Giants, I did I took them plus seven, and they lost probably, I think, by 20 or something, 20, 24. Uh, so a little bit uh, upsetting there, but I was one and one on the week, which brought me to four and two on the uh, since we've been doing this since week three. Jack picked the Packers minus three, and they won by three, so we're going to count that as a tie. And he picked the Panthers minus three and a half, and that did not hit, unfortunately. Uh, for Jack, so he went 0-1-1 on the week, bringing him to 3-2-1 on the on the season. Shreff also did the Packers, so that was a tie as well, but he picked the Bears plus 5.5, and, and that hit because they won outright. So I would have taken a money line if I could have, but uh, yeah, that, that one felt good. I felt good about that one. There you go. So Shreff was 1-0-1, bringing him to 3-2-1. So that puts me in first currently at 4-2, and two, and then Jack and Shreff at 3-2-1, so still a very, very tight race through the first three weeks so far. And we're going to move on to our picks this week. It is week six, and it is Shreff's turn to go first. Oh, boy. Go ahead. 
Uh, I got three on my list here. I'm just debating what two I want to take. Well, I know, I know one. I, I'm going to take the one that I'm very confident. In. I'm, I've been riding. I haven't been using them as my lock um, so far, but I'm going to use them this week. I'm going to take the Cowboys minus three and a half against the Patriots as my first lock of the week. I have, even as an Eagles fan, I have to admit the Cowboys have looked like an absolute juggernaut of a team. Offensively, they just keep going. Too many, too many weapons on that side defensively still not like the best defense in the league, but they're forcing turnovers. Thanks to Trayvon Diggs, which is something that they haven't done in a while. Um, I know, I think this game is in new England, if I'm not mistaken, which definitely makes it a little tougher, but if we're looking just straight up lineup versus lineup, the Cowboys are the better team, giving them three and a half. I think they win by at least a touchdown. I like the Cowboys. Very well. The Cowboys, we are using DraftKings, and they're minus three on DraftKings. So, ah, You'll take a minus three. Oh uh, yeah, give them minus three then. Uh, yeah, on on uh on FanDuel they were three and a half. But yeah, if, if we're going three, I'll take three. There you go. All right, so Shreff takes Cowboys minus three as his first lock of the week. Jack, who is your first lock of the week? I'm um, going back to back on picks succeeding weeks. I'm taking the Packers again. Uh, Packers minus four and a half against the Bears. Uh, it was cl- game was closer than I expected it to be on Sunday. I, as I said, they, I took them minus three against the Bengals on the road. Um, they won by three, so it was a push. But I like them against the Bears this week. I think historically Aaron Rodgers just owns the Bears. Uh, if you listen to part of my take, you know that from Big Cat sentiment towards Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I see history repeating itself. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to kind of – and the Packers as a whole will dominate this game. And I like them to win by at least five points. Very well. Guys, there's an obvious one here. What are we doing? I don't know if this is your second pick or not, but how do you, how do you not go with this one? I mean, it's just put the mortgage on it. I hope you're going to say what I'm with my next one, because I love my next one. Kind of guys. How do you not do Broncos minus three and a half? How do you not oh, do that's it? That's not it. I, I, I knew where he was going with it. I, I mean, I only get this excited about Teddy two gloves covers. That's true. Because he's 39 and 15 against the spread. I know they didn't cover last week against the Steelers. It's fine. Even Teddy Bridgewater can have an off week, but it doesn't matter because he's 39 and 15 against was, the spread. That's, that's not when that is against the spread. He's going. It, have we learned nothing? All Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> does is cover the spread. That's all. That's all that ever happens. And to put the cherry on top, obviously the Raiders are going through a lot right now. <laughs> are they going to be? Are they going to be focusing on a football game? Probably not. I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> I know they. You know, people could say, "Oh, they'll be galvanized," and Derek Carr no. will unite them. Maybe no. later on. Not fresh. <laughs> not not against Teddy Bridgewater, days. and especially not against Teddy Bridgewater. Are you kidding me? Three and the Broncos are home, right? Broncos are home. Yes, this game's oh. in this game's in Denver. This game should be a touchdown spread, not three and a half. Are you kidding? This me? is the lock of all locks, right here. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? I'm so confident in this one. It's not even funny. So Broncos minus three and a half. I'm surprised that no I do one like that one already. Yeah, yeah, I did too. I just put. It's kind of. Uh, I'm conflicted because obviously there's the whole Teddy Bridgewater history against the spread, but also like. I talk bad about the Broncos and I just really don't think they're a great team as a whole. So I'm just conflict. I'm always conflicted betting them. 
Yeah, but it's Teddy Bridgewater. I know. Right. Yes, but the Broncos stink. <laughs> so I it's 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 a big conflict uh internally for me. But we could form I, we could form an eleven man team with Teddy Bridgewater as our quarterback, and I think we would cover a spread if we played the NFL game. Maybe the, num- the numbers are on our side. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Re- tell me all your inferior picks. Strap your up. All right. Um, I, I like this so far because I think so far when we've done this, have we? I think at least at least two of us have had similar have had the same picks each week. I'm pretty sure. So uh, so far we're off to a good start here. Yeah. Week 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 three we all picked the Cardinals. Remember that was our yeah, primary right. first lock of the week. Week four. Jack and I both had Bucks minus seven, and you and and Shreff and Jack both had Chiefs minus. Both seven. had Chiefs, yeah. And then last week you both did the Packers. Both minus had Packers, three, so. so we'll we'll see. But I'm gonna this one, um, Mitchell. I, I know with with your Broncos pick, you you know you're kind of you're obviously using your brain in terms of the number against the spread, but it's also very much like a, a heart pick. You know, deep in the heart, you you love Teddy. You think he's gonna cover? I'm doing the same with a different team here, and it's mostly because I am I'm in love with their head coach. Um, he has quickly become probably my favorite head coach in the NFL. I'm taking the Chargers plus three against the Ravens. I I love the Chargers this year. I I love Justin Herbert. I love Brandon Staley. I they the Chargers I know have had a tough history of a, as being like a, a football team in general, just you know tough losses and stuff like that. We talked a little bit about the Ravens and how they've seemed to kind of squeak out these wins against teams that maybe besides the Chiefs game, these teams that maybe aren't as good. In the league, the Chargers are the opposite of that. They have been uh, a force to be reckoned with this year. They have fully come onto the scene as a legit team in the AFC. Given them plus three, I, I don't, I, I don't see a future in which Justin Herbert doesn't light up this Ravens defense. I like the Chargers plus three. I liked that one too. Uh, I think these teams are at worst evenly matched. Um, so at that point, you just go with the team that's that's not favored. So I like that one a lot. Um, who is your second pick, Jack? Um, my second pick, I was deciding between this one or the Bucks my six and a half uh, for reasons that I still think the Bucks are going to cover a touchdown. Um, I may all that down tomorrow to like a field goal, maybe, um, maybe because of like the the injuries i highlight on defense is what makes me a little nervous i do want to hammer that over which i think i saw was at like 53 and the odds are like plus 100 mm-hmm. eagles are going to score on that defense i think at least a little bit bucks we know are probably going to score in the 30s um at least nevertheless i'm not picking the bucks minus six and a half i'm going with the texans plus 10 oh whoa I don't Uh-oh. know how, I don't know how uh, after see, seeing this one, one in four Colts team blow that game on Monday night, that they're 10 point favorites. And I don't care how bad the Texans are. 10 points is a lot of points to cover in the national football league. And especially, especially, especially after what uh, we saw a particular player on the Texans have a breakout game last week. And that's Davis Mills, Davis Mills, Last week against the Patriots, they the Texans were had control of that game the whole way. Um, Mills's stats: the above above 300, three touchdowns, no picks, a pass rating of like 141, I think. Um, I I'm hoping he can carry that momentum and keep it up this week against a cold scene that we saw has some holes. Um, 
aside from just last week, the Texans are awful, but like they won, they won week one. They blew up the Jags week one. They uh, they only lost to the Browns by ten. So I mean, if they can take the Browns plus ten, then I think they could take the Colts plus ten, no problem. Um, they got blown up by the Bills, but then they were competitive this week against the Patriots, and the defense kind of blew it, but only lost by three. Um, give me Texans plus ten. I like that a lot. I mean, the Texans are a bad team, but they, I think they're three, like you just said, they're, I think they're three and two against the spread through the first yeah. five weeks. So they're covering so far more than they're not. And it's just that the Colts are coming off a heartbreaking loss. So, yeah. Yeah. 10 is a little high in my opinion. So I, I, I don't, I don't hate it. I think it's a, it could be a good value there. I'm gl- glad we got an underdog in there. Yeah. Oh, we have two because Shreff picked the Chargers. So yeah, true. I am picking for my last pick the Bills minus five and a half. That was the one I was debating between as well. All right. So for the first time, we have all different picks. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm taking the Bills minus five and a half, the Titans defense right there with the Chiefs is not good at all. And the Bills have just absolutely gashed terrible defenses. I mean, the Dolphins have not looked good on the defensive end this year. They absolutely destroyed them there. Texans, they destroyed them there. Chiefs, like, they are putting up high point totals on terrible defenses. Tennessee is certainly no exception to that. And um, I, I think the overs, over-under is probably pretty high. I forget what it was. But, again, I, I think they could – I don't know. I think they could probably score 40 points on this team. Like, I don't I don't know how they're going to stop them, especially with wide receiver one, Emmanuel Sanders. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I like that one a lot. I mean, I, my, my, my mind and my eyes immediately went to the Broncos for obvious reasons I just outlined, but that's definitely one I'm definitely on as well. So um, there we have it. That is lock of the week, folks. Mitchell takes the Broncos minus three and a half and Bills minus five and a half. Jax takes Packers minus four and a half and Texans plus 10. I didn't think we'd see a Texans in here, but here we We're are. Fine. Cowboys minus three and char- Chargers plus three for Shreff. And that'll be week six. All right, folks. That concludes our show today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you were amused by our fantasy rants and everything else we had to say today. Um, be sure to follow the show on Instagram at Hogline Podcast. Be sure to follow us on TikTok at Hogline Podcast as well. Share the show with your friends, your family, your dental hygienists. And any, any closing remarks as we, uh, as we end the show here today? Go Pitt. Go Pitt. H2P. <laughs> there we go. Kenny Heisman. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right, folks. See you next time and have a great week. See ya. Peace.